I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Are you listening? Damn. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com, and I am joined, as always, with beat writer Jake Hedberg. Jake, we have got a wild show today. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. You know, we got uh, two big-time guests coming on, uh, excited to talk some Pac-12 conference football. Yeah, yeah. So Oregon State, we're going to give you a short recap of San Diego state uh, from this past weekend, but then we're going to jump right in with one of our, or with our first special guest, Sarah Elcano will be joining us. Um, she's Oregon state senior associate athletic director for external affairs. I want to talk to her kind of about the opening of Reser, what's gone well, what she's super proud of, and then tons and tons of questions from both Beaver Blitz members and fans on Twitter and, and social media about concession stands running out of food and then the sound system. So we are going to just talk to her, get her uh, feedback, or get, you know, thoughts and what's going on. Um, instead of speculating, let's just talk directly to, to the gal in the know. So she will be on. Then we will talk. Um, we're going to jump right into Pac-12 and talk Washington State. I don't know if we're going to have time, Jake, to talk um, about the Pac-12 conference as a whole. We may, but we're bringing on Jamie Vinnick from Cook Fan to uh, get us all up to date on the Washington State Cougars. That is what we've got today. Busy, busy show. Please leave your comments um, if you're watching us live, and we'll try to get to those throughout the show if we can. But first off, okay, Jake, I don't know about you, but you and I were in the press box on Saturday. Yep. Oregon State wins 26 to 9. Weird score. It's still kind of been hard to keep that 26 to 9. It never felt in doubt, yet, it wasn't pretty. Beaver fans have kind of hit the panic button and talked about how awful it was. What are your thoughts now that you've slept on it a couple nights? Yeah, you know, looking back and doing a rewatch of the game. Uh-oh, Jake froze. Jake froze. So I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about what I thought. Um, so we, uh, you know, watching that game, I actually think it was the best thing that could have happened um, as a whole for Oregon State. They had a couple games. That they, oh, there you are. You froze on us. So I was gonna gonna talk. Are you back? Yep. Sorry. Okay. No, I I was just jumping in. Um, I actually think it was the best thing that could have happened for Oregon State. If I'm if I'm a coach or if I'm a player, um, they still had 470 plus yards of offense. Um, the game was never in doubt. So now I think what, what happens is a Oregon state players know that they can grit out a win. And two, they have a lot of, the coaches have a lot to, to kind of coach and fine tune this week. Is that, is that kind of what you think too, Jake? Yeah. You know, I, I do feel like this week kind of gave Oregon state the opportunity to get those out, try and uh, really get their personnel down and find the right players to play at the right times to start really conference slate. That is going to be challenging, you know, or say that six ranked teams left. And it'll be really interesting to see how that translates. Throughout. Yeah, I I, th I just think this is going to be a, it might prove to be a very beneficial for Oregon State as they, as they go down the, the line. What, you know, overall thoughts, what went well? What were you excited to see on Saturday? Yeah, you thought the defensive, um, fantastic. Um, they, play the state defense legit and say it's bad in recent memory and um, hopefully that can be on against what appears to be a really um and out of the ball i thought the run game really did well that is going to be what Oregon state really relies upon um you know damien went over uh, went over 100 
yards again. Deshaun Fenwick had almost 50 yards. And even though it wasn't – Okay. Hey, Jake, I'm going to actually put you – I'm going to take you and put you in the in the back room for a second, and we can get your internet working because you keep cutting out. And I will talk real quickly here about uh, Oregon State. Um, I actually thought um, – the offense wasn't horrible. It sputtered. I think DJ could be sharper, but um, you know they they moved the ball. I think defensively is where I was I was pleasantly surprised on the sacks once again. Yeah, you know, we had we saw um, sack totals. We saw rushing the passer. It was a, a really good day for the defense to kind of get some things shored up. Now, <clears throat> one of the the bad things that we saw was Makaya Tung went down with an injury. He will be out for the season. That was announced today by Jonathan Smith. Per his social media, it looks like he's already had surgery um, on that left leg. So um, he has a, another road ahead of him. That poor guy has had um, several issues. So thoughts go out to uh, to Makaya Tung on this uh, rehab and healing process. I, I really thought he was making a ton of progress there um, in, in the middle linebacker. So now it's time for those young guys to step up. Melvin Jordan, um, Isaiah Chisholm, true freshman. So those guys are going to have to uh, to get ready and and start seeing live bullets because they will be needed um, here next man up. Um, I wasn't super surprised. I, I guess I was surprised a little bit about DJ and the receivers, maybe not being on the same page. And I thought the offensive line maybe did not play their best game, but um, as far as everything else went, I, I just think it's really, it's funny to see fans reactions just because again, the Beavers won. It wasn't really ever in doubt yet. Fans are, are thinking it's the end of the world. I saw somebody on Twitter Jake, give me a thumbs up if you're good. Okay, we're gonna bring Jake back in here. Okay, Should are, we, are we figured out? Okay, I, um, I, I, I sure hope so. <laughs> if not, we might have to put you back out when Sarah joins us, and you can join, jump to another room or something. Um, maybe it's it's Wi-Fi, but I think we got you back. Um, did anything surprise you about the performance, Jake? Yeah, um, I was really surprised by the offensive line's performance. You know. I thought they kind of struggled protecting DJ. Um, he His pocket really wasn't as clean as it was against San Jose State. And, um, and um, UC Davis. Houston. But uh, I was blanking there for a minute. Um, okay. But I do feel like that was almost an issue. Uh, you know, DJ didn't look comfortable like he did the, those first two games. Um, and I'm sure Coach M, after watching game film, he'll have those five guys right and ready for a Washington State team that has two really good defensive ends that we'll talk about some more. Yeah, yeah, agree. I, but like I said, I think that is where this is going to be. When we look at the end of the season, this game is going to be one that we look at as potentially really season um, binding, I guess. It's going to give the the coaches something to really coach, some tangible things that they can look at film and and teach these guys over the next week. And uh, they'll be ready, you know, and it gets easy to kind of sleepwalk and, and then believe your own press. So it, it'll be good for them to kind of take a little humbling and, and uh, take a step back and kind of see where they need to work. Who gets your game ball for this this past week? Yeah, you know, it's got to be one of those defensive linemen just because there were so many of them that impacted the game in a positive way. But the one that really stands out to me was Chatfield. I thought – that Andrews Chatfield had his best game since he came to Oregon State. You know, he had one sack all of last year, I think, and he doubled that yesterday or on Saturday. He had two sacks against the San Diego State offensive line that coming into the season people were pretty high on. Um, and for him to kind of hit his stride and play to the potential that he's shown as a high school kid and at Florida and, and the flashes he showed last year, if he can get that consistency down, he adds a whole nother element to the Oregon State pass rush. Well, yeah, and I'm going to bring up what about Takari Hickel? He has been your guy all fall camp, and he had another. He had a really good game on on Saturday as well. Yeah. Oh my, yeah, my dog's. I mean, I've been talking about Takari now since uh, I want to say April, and yeah. now he has <laughs> three tackles this year. All of them have been from all of them have been behind the line. It's two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and a and a horse fumble as well. Um, so I definitely feel like as the season plays on, you're going to see a guy like Takari kind of get some more situational uh, pass rush um, 
you know, those third and longs. I mean, I, f- I feel like if you have a, f- a front four of uh, Rawls, Lilahea, Chatfield, Takari, all coming up, all coming on a third and long, that's going to create mayhem for opposing QBs. Yeah, and I, I will give my game ball to Joshua Gray. Off at left tackle, been a stalwart left tackle, and uh, got that touchdown first in a long time for him. He said, I think he said in the postgame it was like Pop Warner for him the last time he scored a touchdown. So Jake and I had actually seen that play in practice during fall camp several times, mm-hmm. and it was it was hard not to you know ever say anything about it, but glad it worked, and uh, you know just like they planned, and you know Joshua said how nervous he was uh, that, when that play was called, but uh, it worked to perfection, and I, I wonder if we see it again uh, down the road. <laughs> um, so now the Beavs start uh, Washington State Pac-12 play. This one's going to be an interesting one. Um, simply because this is your pack too. I mean, this is, um, so what are your thoughts heading into this game? We're, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about jumping into the pack 12 schedule now, um, but going up to Pullman to play the Cougs. How, how do you see this one? Oh, you know what? I see Sarah come jumping on here. So we'll talk about the Cougs. We're going to table that just a second, Jake, and we'll talk to Sarah first. Hang tight, everybody. Sarah, can you see and hear us? I can. Hello. Hello. Well, everyone watching live and listening on the podcast, we are really lucky to be joined by Sarah Elcano, Senior Associate AD at Oregon State for External Operations. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. So you have been busy and it's not, it's not a, a quiet job. It's not a um, sit back. You're been, you've been busy with fundraising side, the research building process. First of all, it's beautiful. You know, I, I can just say I've been around Oregon State Athletics since the 90s, and um, it's beautiful. And so hat tip, because um, while things have gone, maybe there's some things that you'd like to change or make better. Overall, it's beautiful. What are you most proud of? We're going to start with the positives. What are you most proud of with, with the new research? Oh, my gosh. Where to start? <laughs> right? I, it's just, it's crazy. I'm proud that it got done. That seems like such a obvious answer, but... Like you, Angie, I mean, you said I've worked here for 13 years, but I grew up in the state, right? I've been a fan for longer than I've worked here. And I think ever since the east side got done, there was this question of, will the west side ever really get done? And some folks externally and internally who I don't think thought it would ever come to fruition. And so to get not to get it done, I mean, and huge credit to a lot of people who are not me, um, but to get it done period, but it, to get it done right on as COVID was occurring, to get those approvals while, you know, the world was shutting down and to still get the green light to go ahead and then to finish on time, right? From that day of implosion all the way through was such a tight timeline um, of not falling behind in many different areas. So I think, yeah, it's that seems like a big, broad answer, but Beaver Street, if I have to hone in on something, in particular, the welcome moments on both sides, I just thought, That was a vision. Um, I think that was Keith Warner internally, graphic designer, alum. And, you know, you always do something and you think, okay, we hope the fans take pictures of these and we see them on social media, but you never know if it'll actually happen. And those have been, every time I walk by, there's people posing for photos there. So I I hope that lasts forever. Yeah, it was beautiful. And then I love that you've also been able to partner with the university to have the Welcome Center. So um, I know I've told you, for our listeners, I actually, back in the 90s, I was one of those tour coordinators. And back then, there were 12 of us that gave campus tours. Um, we started out in um, the Ad Per Administration building in a tiny little office, not super cool, just a normal old office. And to have that welcome center, um, and now that I've just gone through college visits with my son, um, to see now that Oregon State is on par or better than so many um, other universities, it's it's great. And that then research stadium gets used every single day of the year. Um, okay, so we put this in the Lodge at Beaver Blitz, some questions and some some concerns. And I, instead of trying to you know, talk to you and then write it and, or have it in newspaper articles, I just want them to hear from you. So the one, actually one I wanna ask first, just because it, it popped up and I know families and kids spaces and family zones are so important to you. One of our members said he wants to bring his eight month old child and he has been told that he cannot bring a diaper bag with milk. True? You absolutely can. And this will probably lead into, I'm sure, another question on the list. So 
when we started the clear bag policy, and I, I should just search my email because I keep guessing, I think it was five or six years ago now, uh, somewhere around that timeline, right? We followed what many were doing, mainly in the NFL at the time, what was really where, and it was starting to get into the college space, other professional sports. And we literally just kind of took what they were doing and mirrored it at Oregon State. And since then, we have made adjustments, especially coming out of COVID the last three years, we've made adjustments. And so now what we really realized in the last few weeks is, yeah, we have made those adjustments at the gates, but two problems with that. One, we haven't updated the graphic and the signage to what we are actually doing at the gates. And then because you hire so many temporary staff for game days, literally hundreds, close to a thousand, um, you, we, we train them, you know, leading up to the game during the week, the ones you know that you have, and then on game day before you open the gates. But you're training them, you're flooding them with all this information, and then you're putting a graphic in front of them that, like I said, isn't updated. So that's absolutely on us. We're working to update that the signage, the graphic, everywhere it lives digitally to match. But one of those changes will be, to circle back, um, diaper bags are allowed in. They do search them, right? They, you are still allowed to have the fluid for kids, whereas normally you wouldn't do the outside drinks. Um, they, so just know they'll have to go through it, but then they should be allowed in. And I'm just going to jump to the whole clear bag question. Um, and then any clear bags are allowed inside, regardless of the straps, right? So fanny packs, backpacks, um, what are they called? The cinch kind of backpacks, drawstring. Those are all allowed in if they meet the size restriction. And so that the graphic right now does not match that. It says so that those, it's not the tiny, tiny thing anymore, right? You can there's the really small size that's for like um, almost like a wallet purse size, okay. and that doesn't have to be clear. And then there's the bigger size. I don't have it memorized, but the bigger size that will still be allowed in any clear format. Okay. So there you have it, guys. I, I, yeah, I saw that post. And like I said, it's not one of the biggies, but I know you probably get asked that all the time. And um, there's a couple others, but I think the two big ones that I keep hearing about is sound system, which, and they're totally opposite sound system and then concessions. And I will start with concessions just because I, that is an outside contractor. I believe it's levy um, concessions, but lots of concerns about running out of food early. Um, is this just kind of a, a work in progress? I mean, I know levies, you know, they do the blazers. They've done a lot of big arenas. Are they just not expecting the crowds or, or what's the deal there? I think, you know, definitely know what crowd size is coming, right? Because we share data multiple times a week leading up to the game. And, and pretty much this season, I mean, I have messaged to them, expect sellouts yeah. for every single yeah. game, right? Like that's what we're on track for. We've had two so far, hoping to sell out every game. So you pretty much know the amount of bodies that are going to be inside. Scan rate doesn't always equate exactly um, to tickets distributed, but you get a ballpark idea. I think what we are seeing is two things, right? Them adjusting to new spaces, way more spaces than what they previously had to slash get to staff, right? It's a huge win for them to have a full kitchen and more points of sale. Um, you need enough staff to adequately do all of that, right? And there's, you know, there continues to be that temp worker shortage across the country. So that's part of it. Um, the other part is people are purchasing a lot, which is great. It's fantastic. Um, but it means that even when they ran the numbers um, and got more aggressive on the amount of food prepped from game one to game two, we saw less of running out, right? We saw less of it, but it still happened. And so we'll adjust again, especially for a Friday night game. Yeah, right? that Friday night's going to be um, dinner time at Research Stadium. You don't have time for dinner. You leave work, you grab the kids, you head to the stadium. You're, you're probably going to grab an entree inside. And, and so. not enough time to tailgate. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and now the big one, I think, is, is just the sound system. And I know you and I talked after the game on Saturday, but I think it's important for the fans to know. Um, so many people are saying they can't hear anything. Um, what's going on with the sound system? Yeah, let me start all the way back at the beginning. So completing Research Stadium project originally did not include the, it actually didn't include the sound system or the new lights. And then, you know, as the project, because you got to remember, right, it was, it was, the budget was set way back in COVID, not when we imploded it, it was set way in advance. And so the sound system and the lights at the time were both dated, but they were not at the end of their life, right? We thought we were going to get a little bit more out of it on both accounts. 
um, during last season, kind of during construction, it became clear that that sound system was done. It, it was absolutely everything that we could get out of it, we had got. Um, it was so old that as far as ordering parts, we couldn't get replacement parts for the system. So we had to get a new one. Um, so through you know careful management of some budget decisions in the project overall and identifying some dollars there, and then can, every capital project you do has a amount of contingency dollars, right? Based on the total amount of the project determines your contingency dollars. So careful budget management and then contingency dollars, put the two together and we found enough to do the sound system. The catch is by the time we knew we had enough funds to do it, right? We were late enough in the process that the order clearly did not get here in time for game one. So we'll see shipping logistics wise, how fast that can get here, hoping to have, if not the entire system installed by the end of the season, at least a good portion of it, because you would be able to sync up a portion of it to a temporary system. So that would help. In the meantime, you know, we did game one and game two with the two towers in the north end zone, the terrace. Now we have some breathing room between San Diego State and Utah. So we're going to, the sound company we work with on the outside, we're bringing them in to set up some towers in different areas. Um, west side, the two decks, if you're, if you're looking at the west side, the left and right of the 200 level, um, we'll try towers in those locations, play with the south end zone to see if something could potentially work there. Um, just test in different areas and see if there's a way to make it for as long as we have to have the temporary system. Is there a way to make it better? Because the change from one to two, we turned it way down. And the reason we did that was the volume. There was safety concerns for the folks closest to the sound systems. And it was projecting out a little bit too much. So we had folks, you know, in the south direction of the stadium who could hear it at their houses. Obviously <laughs> not okay, right? Not okay. Yeah. Um, so we turned it down, faulted on the side of safety, knowing that would mean that some people on the south side of the stadium either would barely able to be hear it or not hear it at all. Um, so not, not a good solution, the solution we had to do for this game. Hopefully we'll find something better um, for the games, however many remain, that we have to have some sort of temporary system in place. Yeah. Okay, well, I know you have um, an appointment that you need to get to, but I, I, Jake, do you have anything you'd like to ask Sarah? Nope. Nope. <laughs> um, I just want to thank you um, for being taking time. And sometimes it's not easy. Um, and I hope our fans realize just what a tough job it is. And it's, there's, it's not just an easy answer. Sound system, food, work in progress. Is, do, you, do you foresee Utah being crazy, as I think it might be? I do. It's the first game that all the students will be back, which immediately gives, you know, another level of energy to the stadium. But yeah, you know, regardless of outcome against the Cougs this weekend, I, I think no matter what happens in that game, which of course I like our chances of winning, but no matter what happens, I, that's a great matchup. Uh, you know, I ticket sales for a Friday night, phenomenal. I expect us to call a sellout at some point soon. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the crowd will be going and the lights. I was going to say the lights, a night game with the lights. For night games, right? In day games, they do a little bit, but not as much. But at night games, it's going to be incredible with the lights and the students back. We won't even touch on Pac-12 realignment. So see, you got off easy tonight. Um, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. Hope to have you back on um, down the road, but uh, hopefully you get a little break here. But I, I know you, you probably are not. Whenever you guys want. It, um, it can be a little challenging sometimes to be the one answering, you know, the fan questions and those and that, but we got to be asked. We got to be aware of stuff. You know, I'm happy to be the voice and I don't do all of this stuff myself. There's a whole team here, but the conduit to get the message to the right people. And that's the only way we can improve game to game. So whenever you've been you active on, on Twitter, I know fans will tag you on Twitter, but, um, oh, there is one other question about the, the, um, bleacher seat numbers. Are those being replaced? <laughs> we are really working on that. Um, okay. We're going to use every sticker we have prior to Utah. And if we run out of stickers, we're going to order more. Okay. I, I see. I'm like so sheltered because I'm up at the press box. I don't see any of this stuff. So um, I love the fans because they keep us keep us posted as well. So thank you so much um, for joining us and uh, keep keep plugging away because research beautiful. Thank you, Angie. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Okay, Jake, you're back. Oh, wait. Yeah. There, there you are. Okay. There you are.
that was fun. Um, I hope that Sarah was able to answer some questions um, that Beaver Nation has had. I know it's been really active in the in the lodge, people wanting to know about the sound system, especially. Um, it is, it's kind of a balancing act and you don't really realize that till you actually sit down and talk with her about it. So I'm glad that we were able to get her on. Concessions, I hopefully they'll figure that out too. But the food must be really good. And so Beaver Nation just must be ordering lots of food, but hopefully that goes goes better. Uh, against Utah. But before that, we are going to take a super quick break because then we're going to come back and just dive into Washington State. If you're watching us live, don't go away. We just need to take a quick break for the podcast side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, welcome back to the Dan Podcast. We are now, Jake and I are going to dive in. We have about 15 minutes or so to talk Washington State before we bring on the expert. So before we jump into Washington State, let's talk Pac-12. This might be our good chance to talk Pac-12 and what, what transpired over the weekend. Being a 12:30 kick, we were able to see some of the other games. Who stood out to you, Jake, um, this, this past week? Um, who's on your radar is kind of leaving the pack right now? Yeah, I mean, the big one that really stood out to me was Washington. I mean, going into a hostile environment, a power five team, granted they are struggling with the whole coaching uh, uncertainty situation down in Michigan State, but Washington just flat out blew the brakes off them. You know, I think Michael Penix is playing like the best quarterback in the country right now. I mean, he threw for uh, 475 yards and four touchdowns, I think, and that defense held an undefeated at the time team to seven points. And I, I do feel like that's the toughest game Oregon State has on its schedule. Um, you know, outside of that, I thought there wasn't really any high quality competition for the Pac-12. Yet you did see schools that really stood out in a negative way uh, in Stanford going down to Sac State in the Troy Taylor Bowl, um, which Stanford as a program right now um, not looking great. And then the Arizona State Sun Devils going out and getting skunked. Uh, 29-0 by Fresno State team that had barely beaten Eastern Washington in overtime the weekend before that stood out. Um, it seems to me there's a very clear drop-off after the uh, all eight of the top 25 teams. Those bottom four teams really seem to be struggling. Outside of Arizona is kind of the one unknown at this point. Yeah, yeah, and Cal, was, Cal ended up eking out a win against Idaho, but they were down. Um, that's what we were talking about that a lot in the press box. I agree. I think I think Arizona State yeah. was horrible. We did watch Colorado, Colorado State. Um, that was an interesting game, yeah. um, and that Oregon Colorado game is interesting. <laughs> although I think Oregon's going to just like blow the, the wheels off that one. I, I don't even see that one being close. Um, I, I think the, the hype train kind of comes to a screeching halt here over the next two weeks for Colorado with Utah or with USC and and Oregon yeah. on the docket. Um, and I am with you. I, think, I oh, go ahead. I, I still think Colorado's played anybody good. Um, TCU doesn't look great. Nebraska don't look great. I don't think, I mean, Washington State beat Colorado State by almost 40 points um, in week one. And I, if Colorado State puts up 35 on them, if TCU puts up 42, what are teams with quarterbacks like Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, you know, even, even DJ, what are they going to do to uh, really lackluster Colorado Colorado defense. I, I think they will definitely score points, but they won't be explosive enough to hang with the the bigger dogs in the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I you know just looking at what I've seen, and, and USC had a bye this past weekend, but I just look, and I, I'm with you. I think Washington looks like the most complete team right now, top to bottom. Yeah. I think Oregon State's right there. I don't I don't think they're as good right now as Washington from what I've seen, um, top to bottom. Uh, Brian Miller has a has a question here. Um, which game is harder for Oregon State, Washington State at home, or UW at home, or Oregon on the road? I mean, I think Washington. I just I do too. I feel like Oregon State's front seven is 
um, the strength of their defense and Oregon runs the ball more than Washington. I also think that Michael Penix is a better quarterback than Ponix. I think that receiving trio with uh, Paul Adunze and Jalen McMillan, I think that's the best trio in the country. I think they're a well-coached team. They have a strong offensive line and a strong defense too. Um, I feel like that game is going to be Oregon State's toughest game they play this year. I, I am right there with you. I just think, again, as if you're looking at complete teams, I mean, I look at USC, I think their offense is really, really electric, but their defense is suspect. Mm-hmm. Oregon, I think we just haven't seen enough um, of them playing anybody good to, to come up with, yep. with anything. Oregon State, you could say the same thing um, as far yeah. as opponent, but I just think Washington, from what I've seen, just – across the board, strongest team right now. So I, I agree. I think that game at home in late November is going to be a really tough one um, for the Beavs. Let's talk Washington State um, because we are – Oregon State's – oh, go ahead. I, I would say I really haven't been overly impressed with Utah too. I mean, granted they haven't had Cam Rising, but their offense has just, has just been off. I mean, that Florida win now looks a lot better than it did two weeks ago. But – if Cam Rising isn't back in a week or in two weeks, then I think Oregon State wins that game pretty comfortably. Yeah, so um, Cam Rising, he I mean, he hasn't been back. Even if he is back for Oregon State, he's gonna be coming off of no game experience in what, nine months? Six months. Nine months, yeah. I I I've seen he might be back for UCLA. Okay. Um, but I mean to be honest, I think if they don't have rising, I think they lose that football game. So yeah, what do you think of UCLA? We haven't talked about them. They're to me, they're kind of still mid-level, but they are ranked. I, I don't really know who have they played. They played Coastal Carolina, um, FCS school, and then one other team. Yeah. Oh, and then San Diego, San Diego State. State. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I don't. I do feel like they found their quarterback. I think Dante Moore is their guy. I think he should have been their guy from mm-hmm. day one. Um. Again, haven't really seen enough high-level competition, which can be said about Oregon, Oregon State. Uh, a lot of the Pac-12, but uh, I feel like this game against Utah this next Saturday will be a tough test. Uh, Chip Kelly is a good coach. He'll have his guys ready to play, and I'm I'm excited to watch that one. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good one. So Oregon State heads to the Palouse on Saturday for a 4 o'clock game on Fox. Um, looking at the Cougs, just a quick early rundown. They beat Colorado State 50-24 to in game one. Week two, they beat Wisconsin 31-22. And then last week, they beat Northern Colorado 64-21. Have you watched any of the Cougar games? Yeah, I watched the – I watched, like, little – the little condensed uh, – the condensed version of the game against Wisconsin from okay. uh, week two. But that's about it so far. So looking at this team – my my quick, I mean, Cameron Ward, good quarterback. I, I think his, I mean, Washington State is going to be one of those teams that they have to watch for the quarterback run, but they've had to do that now a couple times with San Jose State, with, with San Diego SDS State. Um, they're going to spread it out. They're going to, you know, spread you out. But the thing that gets me most about Washington State is just how fast they're able to, to move. Um, they will line up and they will snap the ball and they make plays quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon State defense is going to have to be ready to go. Um, do you think Oregon State matches up well with them defensively? I mean, it's going to be a tough test for the secondary. I mean, this is a Washington State team that's going to throw the ball a lot more than they run it. Uh, as you said, Cameron Ward's a great quarterback. He's He looks way more comfortable from year one to year two. I think he's taking that, that next step. They have a solid uh, trio of – Wideouts with Lincoln Victor, Kyle Williams, Josh Kelly. Those two guys are all high-level receivers, and they're going to challenge an Oregon State secondary that um, really hasn't faced a quarterback as good as Cam Ward or receivers as good as that trio. Um, I'm a little nervous about that. I do feel like, or again, Oregon State's front seven is going to have to keep Cam Ward contained because he's a guy that'll he's their leading rusher. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely ran the ball well or a lot. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how Oregon State's front seven does and containing him. I do feel like that's a strength. It'll be a benefit that they've that they've had the experience of doing that with Chevin Cordero and Jalen Jalen Hayden. But if Ward gets hot, the secondary 
hasn't they've they look great game one and two but they look shaky towards the end of game three so if they keep that performance up then it could be a, a long day yeah do you do you think that you know that was one of our big questions heading into the season was Oregon State secondary do you think this yeah. is a game um that they grow up do you think this is a game they get exposed oh I think it's a game they're gonna have to they're gonna have to grow up for if Oregon State wants to win um if they come out and play like they did in the second half, late in that second half of the San Diego State game where, you know, they could hit all the crossers, the underneath, because that's the stuff Washington State runs, is crossers, mesh, under quick stuff, and they struggled against it. And if they don't – and that was their starting secondary too. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you know, Trent Bray isn't able to piece it together with, with Coach Blue and Perk, then – I could very well see Cam Ward having a big day. I think that's what scares Beaver fans, you know, honestly, is how offensively, though, do you think Oregon State will put up points? Yeah, I think they will. I think they're going to be able to run the ball very well. Um, this Washington State team, they have two really good defensive ends, Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson, interior defense, and kind of a weaker link. I feel like with Dame, Fenwick, Isaiah Newell, potentially, I feel like – you could see all three of those guys get to run the ball a lot. Um, these guys are going to pressure the quarterback. Um, they're going to try and get after DJ. So you might not see Oregon State take as many downfield shots as as they did um, last week. You may see more of the San Jose State game plan, or is the quicker get the ball out fast type stuff. So that that's really what I'm expecting to see. Obviously, I could be I could be wrong, but. We'll find out pretty soon. How about, how about more DJ runs? Because we haven't seen him, Yeah, you know, come um, and run. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that pretty much exclusively in the red zone. I, I yeah. can't really – I don't really remember him scrambling the ball at all this year. He's kind of always stayed in the pocket. But that very well could be intentional. That could be designed to, you know, kind of take that element of DJ's game off the film. So opposing coaches of these Pac-12 teams don't have it. Um, so that could very well be a possibility. Uh, I'm also expecting to see a little bit, bit more of the fullback with um, either Isaac – or excuse me, Isaac with, – with Isaac Hodgins or Isaiah Newell. Uh, they've both seen time there. And with the Washington State interior not being so great, you could see Coach Lindgren turning to that to try and get Dame and Fenwick an extra blocker. We have a, a- – Nick Volker has a comment. Dame loves inside zone. Think he's uh, excited about this one? Yeah, you know, he's – I mean, I, I genuinely think Damian might be the best running back Oregon State's had since Steven Jackson. He is unbelievable. He's – every game he's started, taking out the Florida game that he missed the majority of, he had he has at least 100 yards which is really crazy. He's already shooting up the Oregon State record books. He's already the program uh, – currently he's the program leader for yards yards per carry. He's averaging almost a little over six and a half yards so per carry. so crazy. Which crazy. is insane. Two carries and that's Jermaine, 12 yards. Jermaine Gray says, Beeves run for 250-plus yards this weekend. Take the air out of the football. And then, yeah, you, I then you also control the clock. So, you know, the, the new mm-hmm. clock man or the new clock rules actually benefit Oregon State running the ball and, and kind of controlling the clock. Um, yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. I, are you, how's, I mean, are you, are you nervous about this one, Jake? I mean, I said coming into the season, it was Oregon State's biggest trap game. I, I, I yeah. thought it was, I think I put it down in our preseason. You did. This was your trap game. win. Pretty close. Okay. Um, I do feel like this is a game where it's going to come down to the last possession or two. I don't see either team blowing the other out. Um, my gut has me leaning towards Oregon State squeaking out a close game, what, like a 24-21, sticking with the 28-24, 31-28, something along those lines. Um, not super high scoring. I do think Oregon State is going to try and control the possession, keep the ball on the ground, and keep it out of Cameron boards and that potent Washington State offense's hands. You know what was interesting to me is I, I pulled up um, pro football focus here a little bit ago. What stood out to me is I, I guess I think of Washington State as being a, and, and we're going to talk to Jamie about this, but I think of Washington State as being a offense team, like offensive standout team. I think of Oregon State being more defensive minded, but you look at the pro football focus for the first three games, 
And actually, Oregon State is ranked as a higher offense, and Washington State is ranked higher defense. Found that kind of crazy. Really? Yeah. Wait, like, like the Washington State defense is ranked higher than the Oregon State, or yes, or the yes. Washington State de- really? Hang on, yeah, hang on. That's interesting to me. Just overall. That's hang very on. interesting. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, let me pull it back up because I did have it on my list yeah, here for that's Canadian. interesting because not something yeah, you expect. Washington. State that, that, that is interesting because Washington State defense has allowed double the amount of points per game as Oregon State. Hang on. I'm pulling up because and Oregon State statistically right now is a top 10 defense in the country. Okay. Let me just look at what we have here because Oregon State, Washington State. Okay. So team rankings right now, offense, Oregon State ranks at a, comes in at 89.5. Washington State offense comes in at 74.7. Uh, defense, overall defense, Oregon State's at 81 and Washington State's at 89.5. That's not that you can, not mm-hmm. that you can like take everything, you know, but yeah. I thought it was just an interesting, you know, um, Oregon State receivers grade higher than Washington State's, um, run blocking obviously is, is higher, um, where Washington State has done good done well as run defense they graded out to a 91.4 and run defense so I that might be something yeah. you know you don't know um anyway i, I, I wonder I if the level of comp- yeah i wonder if the level of competition has anything to you know do with their grade and i don't know how they do it but I yeah mean, and that's just it yeah, yeah and i i don't know how exactly this is my first year messing around with it i i could get lost and spend a long time messing around with that but um i just just pulled up the two teams side by side, and that's that's what kind of just stuck stuck out to me um, as I was prepping for this podcast. So um, I just thought that was interesting because it's not necessarily how I kind of saw that um, in my head. I guess Washington State versus Oregon State. Um, we're waiting for Jamie. I think he should be on in any second. Um, oh, you know we are going to talk about a little bit. Um, did you watch any college game day this weekend? Uh, I did not. I was up in Adam. Uh... At 7.30, but I could not watch college game day, um, just doing game prep. Um, but I, I was a little bummed they went to Notre Dame, Ohio State. I feel like Oregon State, Washington State this weekend, for storyline reasons, it's maybe a better choice. Like how many times are you going to get to do that where you have two teams, the only two teams in their conference, both in the top 25. And it's the first time in matchup history both these teams are ranked, whereas You'll see Notre Dame and Ohio State ranked in the top 10 every year. You've been to South Bend before. You've been to that matchup before. Um, I feel like the environment in Pullman would have been much better than than what it will be in South Bend. But, I mean, obviously, yeah, but- Notre Dame, it's going to get more eyeballs for Notre Dame, Ohio State. So, understandable. Yeah, but it's fun to see those Cougar flags, Old Crimson flying with Oregon State. With that, though, I'm excited. I'm going to bring on Jamie Vinnick. I think he's actually – Hang on. Are you there, Jamie? Yeah, my uh, my camera doesn't seem to be working right now. Is that uh, that all right? That is totally fine. I'm just glad you could you could make it. So if you're watching us live, you're not going to see Jamie, but we are lucky to have him on. He is seriously he covers everything for Coopfan.com, and that is our sister site, 24/7 Sports Coopfan.com. You can read all of his his previews and coverage. Jamie, okay. First off, how, what is the atmosphere up in Pullman now that Oregon State's coming to town? Is it is there some anticipation that the Pac-2, the, the brothers in arms, are, are together? Yeah, I, I'd say so. I think, you know, the, the coaching staff, as per usual, is just, it's just another game. It's just another game, as you'd expect. But I think, you know, it's a conference opener. It's two ranked teams, which um, I believe has never happened when these two teams have met. I don't think uh, – if I was reading uh, reading it earlier correctly, Washington State and Oregon State have never both been ranked when they played each other. I, so I think there's some excitement. I, I think there's some excitement about – you know, what Washington State may be capable of this year. I, mean, I think a lot of people are in the belief, and probably rightfully so, that this is one of the better Cougar teams probably since going back to Gardner Minshew's year. So I think the, I think there's some excitement, and I think there's uh, some anticipation to get this game played and then go back to cheering for the Bees when they play everybody else. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, Oregon State fans. I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, Jake was at our 
press conference, Oregon State's press conference this morning, and somebody asked Coach Smith about it, and he's business as usual, and he's not been as vocal as, as Coach Dickert has been about belonging in a, in a Power 5 conference, but he did today say, yeah, I, I kind of focus day, game at a time. I'm not looking at that, but he said, absolutely, Oregon State and Washington State play at the highest level. They deserve to be in a Power 5 conference, not just for football, but for all sports. You know, I, I look at Oregon State men's soccer just knocked off number one Stanford um, this weekend and, and Washington state's been knocking off volleyball and you know, it, it goes across the board. So fans are excited about this. I know our, our two fan bases on, on Coop fan and Beaver Blitz have been having some fun with a, a joint thread. We've seen the, the Beaver flag flying with old crimson and college game day. So um, I've, I've heard from the Beaver fans, just how welcoming those guys at old crimson have been. And so I think that's fun. And, and it's what college football is all about, but let's talk about, this game because I think it is a huge matchup right now. The line is a two and a half point Oregon state favorite. I don't know if that will hold as the, as the week goes on, but are you expecting a sellout for this game? First off, I would think so. I mean, I, you never really know what to expect when it comes to crowds, just because it's, it's not a place that you can easily access. It's not, Hey, it's right. It's Saturday morning. Let's go to the food game today. You know, like you can maybe do it in Seattle or LA. So, I would think, though, there's going to be a lot of people in town. I mean, I think, obviously, the fact that it's Washington State, Oregon State, it's, you know, this very hyped-up matchup because of uh, reasons not pertaining to the football field. But then I think, you know, the fact that Washington State's good and yeah. that's something that, you know, as it unfortunately is, their Coug fans, are, like many others, are more inclined to come out when they're 3-0 and and ranked than they are if they're 1-2 and and not ranked. So... I think if it's not a sellout, it'll be close to. Um, it's It should be a packed house. I think it'll be a lot closer to what we saw for uh, the Wisconsin game in terms of attendance rather than Northern Colorado, which was about a quarter full by the time the second half started. Obviously, that wasn't much of a game. So don't yeah. totally blame everyone for uh, dipping out of that one early. But, no, I know of a lot of people who are planning on coming over for this one. I think it's going to be a – if it's again, if it's not sold out, it's going to be pretty darn close. Beautiful weather, schools in session. So let's talk Cougar offense. You know, everybody knows Cameron Ward, that he can beat you with his arm and his legs. Um, how can the Beavs contain him? So it hasn't been easy this year. Um, and I think the, the biggest reason Washington State is 3-0 and is the steps Ward has taken. I mean, he was he was okay last year. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with poor play calling, a poor offensive line, and really poor receiver play. A lot of that has been cleaned up. So, no team, the, the three teams they've played, and again, Northern Colorado, maybe not the best uh, litmus test, but they have, no one has really had an exact answer for him so far. He hasn't thrown an interception. He has fumbled twice, but one was because he tried to switch hands as he was scrambling, and the other was a, a blindside strip sack. And those are both against Colorado State. Clean games, the last two. The best way to contain him is to get pressure on him. We, we've, we saw him face a little bit of pressure against Wisconsin. And he, he handled it pretty well, uh, surely a lot better than he did last year. Uh, ben Arbuckle, the offensive coordinator, worked on his mechanics a lot. He would just backpedal last year. Pressure comes, and he's going to drop back 50 yards before he tries to do anything. And now he's a little more, a little more, uh, a little steadier. He's more, he's, he's uh, what's, what, what am I looking for? There's a better chance he's going to step up in the pocket and make a play than just back, 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 back. He's going to throw the ball away if he needs to. So, now, he hasn't faced constant pressure yet and that is where I think there are still some questions again Wisconsin got to him a little bit but it was really just for one quarter otherwise the Washington State offensive line held up pretty well against the Badgers but to contain Cam Ward it comes with getting into his getting into his face and like every other quarterback he doesn't want to get hit so he takes a couple hits that's probably how you would be able to slow him down we just haven't seen anyone do it this year yeah I mean I think Oregon State um I, I think they were lucky last year because they they you know had the Cougs pretty early and I think he's finally comfortable now in the Cougar system. Who's his favorite target? I mean, I think, is he the leading rusher? Is is Ward the leading rusher right now for you guys? Yeah, so the run okay. game has been um, a little bit of an issue, um, just to say the least. Uh, there's one complaint about the offense, and the other's not many. It is that they have not been able to run the ball consistently. Um, and some of that is the offensive line. The running backs haven't hit their holes the way you'd like it. His favorite target has been, by and large, Lincoln Victor. Uh, third year in the program now. He showed flashes his first year. He's a transfer from Hawaii. Showed flashes his first year. Didn't really do a lot his last year. I don't think he was a great fit for the Eric Morris offense. He's already set a career high in receiving yards. Two 100-yard games now 
had, I think it was 166 or 168 against Colorado State, and then had 119 uh, against Northern Colorado in, you know, in one half. Uh, he's a, almost 350 yards, one of the top receivers in the conference statistically this year. That has been Ward's bread and butter. Um, he, he's liked going to Josh Kelly, a Fresno State transfer. Uh, he's probably been the number two guy, but Victor has been his guy, uh, whether it's seam routes, whether it's crossers, whether it's just quick outs to get a couple yards. Um, that has been his favorite target, uh, and he has been – Victor has been Wazoo's best receiver and probably their best offensive playmaker outside of Ward by a, a pretty good margin. Jake, you have a question? Yeah, yeah uh, you know, researching this team in uh, before the before the season started, the offensive line kind of seemed like a question mark or the weak link of this team. How have they been – for? how through the first three games they've been – uh, how they been? So, yes, you are correct in saying they were the weak link coming into the season. That was the biggest question mark because they were not good last year. Uh, they It was a mess all around, and a lot of why Washington State couldn't get their offense going was because they couldn't block, not just at the point of attack, but on the outside. Their wide receivers were not good blockers last year. That has taken a complete 180. The offensive line has done a good job. Um, it's not been perfect, but – you know, a Wisconsin team that has some good pass rushers was largely held in check. There was a few stretches in there where they got home. Uh, Mohamed Kamara at Colorado State is really one of the better pass rushers in the country, regardless of level, regardless of school. He was, for the most part, contained outside of one blitz where he got to Ward. So, and then this past week, again, it's Northern Colorado, but it didn't matter who it was last year. They got beaten by a lot of bad defensive lines. Ward didn't get sacked. He didn't even get hit. And then that translated – when they got the second offensive line in. There was not a quarterback sack or hit last week. The offensive line has taken some steps forward. Um, they're still kind of figuring out who their exact five is. They mostly play six, seven. Uh, they have an injury to their left tackle, Esapole. He should be back this week. He didn't play this past week. Um, but the offensive line, at least in the pass blocking, run blocking still has left some to be desired. But the pass blocking has been really, really solid. Again, wouldn't call it elite. Wouldn't say they're suddenly – you know, the best offensive line in the country, but they are giving Ward enough time to do what he needs to do. And I think the play calling by Ben Arbuckle deserves credit, too, because they're getting the ball out quick. It's snap, it's throw. It's not drop back, sit in the pocket. I'm going to wait for four verts to develop, and by that time you're on the ground. So, um, no, they have taken big, big steps, but I think Ward's development with them and then the progression of the, the play calling has helped a lot as well. That's, that's what I've heard from a source of mine just about the, for Oregon State's defense is that, you know, A, you got to contain Ward, B, they're going to spread you out and see they move so fast. And that's going to be maybe the toughest thing for Oregon State to deal with is just the speed at which they they move on offense. So defensively, uh, and I, we've talked about this before you jumped on, this surprised me a little bit. So Pro Football Focus, I've just got the subscription. I've been kind of playing around with it, digging in, just looking easy, quickly off the top. Pro Football Focus ranks the Cougars' defense higher than the Beavs, but I always think of the Cougars as an offensive juggernaut. How good is the Cougar defense? You know, it's interesting because if you look at the points, it's like, okay, they gave up 24 to Colorado State. They gave up 21 to Northern Colorado. That was largely against scout teamers. I mean, the first-team defense completely dominated that Colorado State game, and they really held Wisconsin in check outside of two touchdowns. Um, and then this past week, again, I mean – Northern Colorado scored two touchdowns, and they were down to, you know, freshman walk-ons getting playing time. The Coug defense, it is good, and it is very much a historically offensive school when you look over the last 10 years. It's been, you know, the, the high-flying Mike Leach offenses, and we're going to score 60. Let's just hope we don't let them score 60. Um, but Jake Dickert has changed that, and it was the Wazoo defense was a lot better last year. They had their slip-ups, the Apple Cup in particular, the Oregon game in particular. Um, but it's a good defense. It has some questions still, but that is a lot of those were, have kind of been answered. Their pass rush is really strong. They've got one of the best pass rushing duos in the conference with Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson. Stone had a down year last year. He only had two sacks. He's already got three. He had two strip sacks in consecutive drives against Wisconsin last week or two weeks ago. Um, and then on the back end, you know, Shaw Smith Wade is one of the best cover corners in the Pac-12, and as Jake Dickert uh, consistently says in the country, and Jaden Hicks has emerged as an absolute superstar. I mean, he was unbelievable for two weeks, didn't do a whole lot this last week, just didn't play a ton, didn't need him to. 
the linebackers is where there's still the one question. They don't have a day on Henley like they did last year. Um, they've got a couple solid guys. Kyle Thornton, who's been in the program forever. Uh, Devin Richardson, a grad transfer from Texas. They haven't necessarily been playmakers yet, but they've been reliable. Now, they haven't seen an offense like this. You know, I, Wisconsin's running backs are very, very, very good. I don't know if – I don't think they're at the level of what Oregon State can do with their rushing attack. But I think the defense is, is built on what it was last year and even what they showed in part of, parts of 2021 that it can be a, more of a defensive school than just the, again, the 50 points a game offensively, 40 points a game, a game defensively. So, no, they, they do have some defensive talent. Um, I don't know how deep they are necessarily there, but they've got some really good top-heavy, top-four, top-five guys who will probably all be all-conference. Jake, you have a question? Yeah, you know, uh, obviously outside of Stone and ja or Stone and Jackson are two of the best defensive linemen in the Pac-12. How's the interior, you know, the defensive tackles, how has that been going so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's been a, a pleasant surprise. I mean, the defensive tackles, they were okay last year. Um, they, they had three veterans in Christian Mejia, uh, Antonio Pule, and Amir Mujahid. They were fine. They were, they were nice veteran pieces, but they weren't game changers. Um, I think when you look at what they did against Wisconsin – and just completely took Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi out of the equation. I mean, those guys had gone for over 300 yards combined the week before. And Allen, I don't even think, had 10 touches. I mean, they they swallowed up the Wisconsin rush team, or the rush offense. And granted, the game, the way the game flowed, they had to start throwing the ball because they were down. But I think that was a an announcement to a lot of Kook fans that, wow, we might be able to stop the run inside. Um Northern Colorado had, did a decent job running the ball. I think their their starting back ended up with about 116 yards. But again, that was against the second string defense. So they go about five deep on that defensive line. Uh, David Gusta and Nusi Milani will be the two starters. Very athletic, very speedy guys. Uh, and then they'll go down to Naeem Rodman. He's a Colorado transfer. He's kind of more of their run stuffer. And then Janias Tafia, a former uh, offensive line walk on now on the D line, and Ansel Dinbu, a true freshman. They're kind of more in that. A little bit of a balance. They do a little bit of both, but the pass rushes, Milani is their best pass rusher from the defensive tackle spot to a point where Wazoo used to just on their third down packages run four edges out there. Now they run three edges with Milani because he's he's explosive enough to get home on his own. So Jake had this game as a trap game before the season even started. How do you see this game playing out? Do you think it's a low scoring, low fairly low scoring, close game? How do you how do you see it? It's a great question. Um, I uh, before the season, I, I picked Wazoo to go eight and four, and I had this as one of my losses, um, along with UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. Um, but I also did not expect this level of offense from Washington State. Um, I I've had a I went back and forth on this one. I don't think it's going to be low scoring. I certainly don't think it's going to be a repeat of the 2019 slugfest of 54-53. I think somewhere around that 28, 24, 31, 28 type of game where, you know, one team gets that big defensive play, whether that's a pick, whether that's a strip sack. And um, I, I think being at home is just that gives Washington State the slight edge. This is one of those games where when I looked at it on the calendar, I'm thinking if this game's in Corvallis, I'm probably picking Oregon State. But I think because it's in Pullman, I, I just I give Washington State that slight edge at home. Um, just because it is a tough place to play, and they've made it a tough place to play, and it's it's been a long time since Oregon State has won in Pullman. Granted, it yeah. had been a long time since Oregon State had beaten Washington State, period. They did so last year um, with relative ease. So uh, I think I picked the Cougars 31-28, either that or 28-24, something in there, but a really tightly contested ball game between two very, very good teams, two fairly evenly matched teams in, in different ways. But um, I do think that the home field advantage is going to play just enough of an uh, – have just enough of an impact for Washington State to uh, to sneak out a win. Yeah, I mean, that's, Jake was talking earlier about we haven't made our predictions yet, but just that close, like three-point game kind of setup, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, You know what, when I looked at the calendar, when I looked at the schedule, I had this as a win for Oregon State, and, and I, I thought Oregon State's schedule played out really well because they had UCLA at home, Washington at home, uh, Utah at home. But now watching, watching this kind of play out, Washington State has exceeded where I thought they would be. Washington has exceeded actually where I thought they would be as well. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a great game. And so I think that's um, the beauty of college football and, and two programs that kind of still embody what college football is all about. Uh, there's Jamie, not many left. No, there's not. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think Beaver fans all over are kind of 
go Cougs and, and go Beavs and, and just beat everybody. And, and this week's going to be a, like you said, a slugfest. So um, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with us. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you down the road. Yep. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. thanks. Thank you, Jamie. Okay, Jake, you heard him. You think you think the Cougars pull this out? You know, for me, I, I, I do agree. I think it comes down to the last possession. It's going to be a, a close three, three, you know, three to seven point game. I do feel like Oregon State's experience as a team, um, the, you know, Oregon State has more of a veteran feel. And I feel like as a, as a whole, they've played more games together than Washington State has. And I feel like that'll be a benefit. I feel like Oregon State escapes from Pullman with a 27-24 win. Okay, so there you go. I'm not ready to get my prediction yet, but I have to get that out for the staff picks. Um, but we are almost out of time. This went quick. I hope you guys liked having um, some guests on today. Um, it's something that I want to do um, going forward, have some players on. Um, but I thought this having Sarah on was super timely right now with the with the talk about concessions and, and, and uh, sound system and all of that. Um, if you're not a member of Beaver Blitz, now is a perfect time to join. You can actually join and get your first month for $1. So starting Pac-12 play, you definitely want to be part of it. Our game threads are like crazy. Um, we had a home game. Usually home game game threads aren't super busy just because Beaver fans are at the game. But this last week, it was crazy. Um, away games, we will have 10 to <laughs> 20,000 views on one game thread. So um, it's a great chance to, uh, if you're not in Pullman, to sit and talk with the Beaver Blitz staff and other Beaver fans. So again, $1 gets you a full month. Um, join us and uh, get all the great content that Jake produces and the, and the rest of the Beaver Blitz team. Thank you, Jake, for joining us. I know you had to kind of move around a little bit. So thanks for joining us. And uh, Jake and I will be back next week with another episode of the Damn Podcast. <laughs>